0: Well, friends, welcome back to the podcast. It is a great joy for us to have conversations that we bring to you on anything about the intersection of the spiritual and the practical, about how you can live and lead right side up in an upside down world. Friends, it is a challenge to lead well today. At Stay Forth, we call our coaches and even our experienced curators mountain guides for the leadership journey. Many leaders have invited us into this journey. We love coming alongside and coaching leaders in their leadership to be able to clarify what is overwhelming, what is hard, what is challenging, where do you feel stuck, and how do you go to the next level in your leadership? We want to be on the journey with you. We also love going away and hosting experiences where you can get out of your email inbox, get out of the challenges, the whirlwind, the expectations that you feel each day. Whether you are a stay-at-home dad, a CEO, a music artist, a collaborator of beautiful transformation in the world, a nonprofit leader, you name it. If you have influence, we want to come alongside of you in your journey to be a kingdom leader that lives and leads out of your unique design. You don't have to burn out, flame out, have a moral failure, or live at the risk of your own soul if you are living and leading. Friends, We want to be in the trenches with you. We want to go deeper than these conversations. We've got a couple opportunities for you. The first is our Right Side Up community over on Facebook. We're having great conversations, break out there about health and impact. The second is called Tuesday Tune Up. It's also free, it'll take about five minutes to read through, and it's one practical leadership tweak you can make each week. Friends, this is really good stuff. A lot of this we're getting from our coaching conversations. Conversations that we're having as a team that we just want to share with you. Friends, your leadership matters too much. If you steward that well, many others around you can grow to their capacity. If you don't steward that well, we see the issues that come up with that, and it can be so dangerous. We just want to remind you your life and leadership matter too much to lead alone. Don't lead in isolation. We're going to continue to have conversations about health and leadership here, about longevity, sustainability. How to live and lead well and with excellence and lead for the long haul. But these conversations alone are not enough. Join the Right Side Up community where you can uh, get to know other leaders each week. Be working on your leadership through Tuesday TuneUp. You can go to TuesdayTuneUp.com or find info in the show notes. You can head over to the Right Side Up community on Facebook or find the link in the show notes. Your leadership matters too much. Don't lead isolated. We are with you for the journey. Friends, it's a great privilege to have these conversations with you. We don't take these lightly. We'll continue to drop these episodes each Tuesday and Thursday. And now, on to the podcast. I talk to God, but we so <laughs> Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a That's little enough. bit about the story of Vox. Um, your locations, um, and really your specific heart for cities there in the Northeast.
1: Yeah, so grew up in the Northeast, you know, um, interesting place to meet Jesus, didn't grow up in a Christian home, met Jesus as a teenager after my parents were divorced, we were kind of classic, non-practicing Catholics, you know, which is like the New England born and bred uh, way of doing things. So, you know, we considered ourselves Christians, but um, had no relationship with Jesus, had never read the Bible and so Jesus invading my life as a teenager was totally transformative. And uh, I fell in love with God and wanted to make a difference for him and uh, just didn't want anything to do with local church, you know? So in my in my experience in the Northeast, I just had never experienced like exciting, vibrant, growing church. It's a pretty uh, rare thing in this area. And so uh, I was a part of a traveling ministry for 10 years and uh, did everything I could to not be in New England. And then, you know, the Lord really started shifting my heart in 2010. And so small group of us, there was nine of us really with a dream to reach people in this area and specifically in urban centers. So over half of New England's population is found in the 10 largest cities. And so um, if you're, you know, focused on those cities, you can actually uh, be close to a lot of people in this region. And so 2011, yeah, church started with nine people and a dream to actually start churches in those 10 cities. So we've been doing that ever since. There's, uh, we opened our tenth location uh, in this fall, and uh, it's been a miracle of of the Lord really reaching a lot of people with the gospel and just loving life, loving life, and 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 watching the grace of God do
0: what it does. Wow, beautiful! Um, before we hit record, we, we're talking about ambition and yeah. use the term holy ambition, and God's kind yeah. of been stirring your heart toward that. Talk a little bit about where we see ambition, the dangers of ambition, and, and kind of what a pursuit or life of holy ambition as a leader may look like.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, I think that um, we're living in a weird time, right, Alan, where it's just like, you know, leadership in the church, uh, I think we're all pretty keenly aware of the fact that something's not quite right, right? Like we we have these large churches, we have the all this multi-site stuff, all this great resources and yet we've got, you know, churches imploding, leaders imploding all around us. I mean, it's not one, it's not two, it's hundreds. And, uh, and I think, I think it's a healthy time for us all to kind of take a breath, you know, as COVID has redefined the world over the last two years, and say, like, well, what does it mean to be ambitious, you know, and, and, uh, and I think that um, I was actually meeting with a group of guys this morning and talking about that just in our own lives. And, and saying, Hey, there is a, um, there is an ambition that is godly. You know, I think that a lot of times when we think of ambition, we think of something sinful, you know, immediately where it's like, you know, no, no ambition should be in the heart of a, of a believer. And it's like, well, you know um, the first chapter in this book that I wrote is called the ache to be great. And, and there is something in all of us that longs to be great. Actually the publisher, uh, that chapter, they were like, can we name it something else? And I was like, it's like, no, I think that we have to just confront this thing, that there is an ache yeah. to be great, but it's just misdirected. You know, what is greatness really uh, in life? And I think that, you know, the the redirect is that greatness is to walk with Jesus. Greatness is to know him, to have genuine relationship with him and, uh, and to love him more and more and more every single day. That's what greatness is. It's not a big church. It's not numbers. It's not statistics. It's not all those things. Real greatness is to grow in love, and um, and so that messes with our American paradigm in a massive way, you know. And so um, this that bigger is always better that you know um, that you know everything needs to be growing, 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 growing. And of course, there's some truth to that, but then it gets distorted pretty quickly. And so, um, yeah, I think that holy ambition is about combining these elements of contentment, submission and a passion for expansion and growth. And when those things kind of come together, uh, you're getting closer and closer to what I would
0: say is holy ambition. Mm, that's good. Eugene Peterson spent time with the late, great Eugene, and he would talk about tamed ambition. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not that that ambition goes out the window as right. we become spiritual leaders. It's that if unchecked, it's incredibly dangerous. Awesome. Um, yeah. That ache to be great. I love that. Uh, bear your ordinary congrats yes. on yeah, this thanks. book now released into the world. I know yeah, what that you. process takes practical habits for a heart fully alive. So close yes. to our heart here at stay forward. So why, why take all yeah. the time to write this book? Where did this message come from?
1: Yeah. So good. So, uh, I was actually senior in high school, seriously considering going to Moody Bible Institute. God bless Moody. Uh, great place. And, uh, I was on a double-decker bus in the middle of Chicago, kind of making my final decision. I'm going to go there. I'm going to leave New England. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out of here, and uh, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to be around all these other Christians. I, was, I met more Christians in my weekend at Moody than I think I'd ever met, you know, at my age in New England, and, uh, and I had a Jesus moment at the top of that bus where I felt like the Holy Spirit really clearly spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go home and make disciples. And it was like the most terrifying word of the Lord I'd ever experienced. Cause I was like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, and I don't even know what that means. And, and, uh, and so I ended up going to a state school, uh, in Connecticut and, uh, staying local, moving in with a a group of guys that I had led to Christ. And for the next four years in college, by my senior year, it was a, it was a two bedroom apartment with nine guys living in it and all guys that were growing in Jesus. I had led to Christ and, I was experimenting with what does it mean to actually be a disciple and what does it mean to make disciples? And I think this is a, you know, something that the Bible is pretty clear about, but most Christians are pretty foggy on, right? So it's like, Hey, go and make disciples. Okay. What does that mean exactly? And and I think that a lot of us, we just don't have a plan, intentional, specific, and consistent for our own spiritual health and growth. And so over the course of 20 years, and I'm 38, and it's actually spooky that it's been 20 years that I've been tinkering with this, where certain habits started to emerge. And and so the quick version is, you know, when you think about spiritual growth, you have to really define it first. And I I love what Jonathan Edwards says. You know, the old theologian says that um, spiritual growth at its root, Christian maturity is growth in love. That if my love grows, I've grown. So spiritual maturity is not Bible verses. It's not church attendance. It's not financial giving. Some of those things can reflect your heart, but at the end of the day, it's, do I love Jesus more? Do I love others more like God would have me love? So then how do I grow in love? And this book is seven intentional, specific life habits that will stretch your love. Which means my spiritual life is gonna grow. And so over the course of twenty years, I just started playing with it in my own life and using these habits uh, in my own journey at different stages and at different uh, intervals, and watching as my love was kind of forced to grow each time. And so uh, the book evolved over, you know, that twenty years where it was first me and then a small group of guys that I was living with, and then, We started buying houses together. We had 12 houses in a four block radius in the city of New Haven, where we were all kind of using these habits, growing in this, and then doing this with our church. And so now we've seen countless people kind of walk through this very intentional discipleship process of spiritual growth. And it's just been really fruitful. And so uh, a couple years ago, uh, I just really felt like I got to write this down. Like Like this is working in a way that um, I just haven't seen other things work when it comes to
0: intentionality around spiritual growth. And so here it is. We wrote it down. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. What kind yeah. of conversations do you hope are breaking out um, in houses, yeah. in condos, in coffee shops, in church staffs as they crack open this book?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that I hope breaks out is a reorientation around the gospel. And what I mean by that is that You know, spiritual growth has to come from a place of deep acceptance in Jesus that I don't, you know, we've heard these phrases again and again, and, and they need to be internalized. You know, I don't work for acceptance. I work from acceptance, the revelation of God's grace, the acceptance found in Jesus becomes the foundation of my identity that I'm a child of God. And now this is chapter two from the foundation of grace. I practice these habits, not as an attempt to earn my position before God, but, as an outworking of my devotion to God, and so, um, you know, anytime you talk about habits, there's a danger of just losing the truth of the gospel and losing the truth of what Christ has done. and so, I hope that that's the first conversation they have. Wait, how do I do habits by grace? You know that's kind of the first conversation, and then the second conversation I want them to have is to go, "Oh no, I don't want to do habit one, you know and and start to wrestle with the uh the disruption that it causes in your daily routines um to start to really be intentional around growth and you know i think i think the wrestling match is half the battle you know what i mean so if people are
0: asking the questions we're on the right path is there one of these habits just in that you've needed in an extra special way in this chaotic in this last chaotic season oh for sure i mean for me every one of these habits um
1: I never feel like I arrive, you know, like as soon as I think I figured it out, um, there's another layer to uh, how it should be practiced in my life. Um, For me, a foundational habit, which I think most Christians are really familiar with, but few Christians actually practice habit one is super simple it's I spend the first hour of my day alone with Jesus, you know, and um, I talk a lot about what do I do in that hour. Why would I do that? Why is the timing of it important that it's not later in the day? It's not at night, but it's the first hour of my day. Why is it not 15 minutes? Why is it an hour? All those things are things that I talk about in the book. And, you know, most Christians go, oh, yeah, quiet time. Got it done. Okay, well, let's just do an honest reflection. It's 10 minutes. It's in the car. It's while the kids are screaming. and, And it's you know how many of us are actually reorienting our schedules around the discipline of alone time with God and and so many things get worked out there in that i don't see alone time with God as my chance to earn brownie points with him i see alone time with God as my chance to internalize what he's already done for me and so it's me receiving the love of God and so i, I think with covid uh, nothing has been more important in my habits As dedicating significant, consistent time to just be still with God on a daily basis. Um, That's been like ground zero for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first one that comes to mind. Habit six is also a really big deal. That's the habit of rhythm. And it just talks about a lifestyle of Sabbath and what that means and how I implement that into my life as a pastor. You know, pastors are just classic. Sabbath breakers, you know, we, we follow the nine commandments and then we, we ignore the one suggestion, you know, um, which is honor the Sabbath. And so for me, it's Friday night to Saturday night where I'm, I'm religious and I'm not afraid of that word about my Sabbath. You know, we light a candle, we pause, pray and play for 24 hours. And, um, it's my time right before my busiest time of the, of the week, you know, on Sunday. Um, but it's a critical, uh, discipline for me. It's not. It's not legalism. I don't feel like you know God hates me if it gets interrupted or something like that. And I have four kids, a wife, and a golden retriever. So my Sabbath doesn't look like you know twenty four hours of meditation. You know, sometimes it's soccer game. <laughs> it sounds games. nice though, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Wouldn't it be? Yeah, but but it is a discipline that um, forces my heart to embrace the truth that the world doesn't revolve around me. You know, and I think that's a really important truth to remind our hearts weekly. That I'm not holding this thing up, and
0: uh, and so uh, I'm just gonna rest and let God hold it up. Mm. As a leadership coach, all week long, Justin, I live at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical, and that's what I hear you talking about here. And the spiritual is practical, the practical is spiritual, and yet we can often have this false dichotomy. How do disciplines work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it's so good. You know, um,
1: I think a lot of times we we think that we're supposed to feel everything, you know, that's, that's a, uh, that's a very American way of thinking about things, you know, like, well, I feel in love with you. And so we're going to be committed to each other forever. And what we don't understand is that feelings uh, are actually driven by our habits And so, you know, you have to learn, you know, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits really gets into this great book where it talks about, yeah, it talks about these little changes, but I think what James stumbles on in that book, which maybe he didn't realize is, is gospel identity. And I don't think he, he was writing it from that perspective, but you know, he talks about how once you see your identity as something, someone different, then you start actually acting It's the deepest way of changing And I think for Christians, um, we have to internalize who we are in Christ. And then we have to go practice these habits when we don't want to. And what we find is that the Holy Spirit fills us with a passion for God as we do what we don't feel. And so, yeah, I meet with Jesus in the morning just to stay on habit one for a second, right? When I'm tired and frustrated and don't really want to be there and I'm half distracted for 80% of it. I still do it, and I do it because I'm committed to that life habit, and then the Holy Spirit meets me in profound and powerful ways when I need it most because that routine is in place, and so um, I think that, I think that you know, God created us as creatures of habit, you know, just think about where you sit at your church service on Sunday morning. It's the same frigging seat every week, right? You're a creature of habit you have to now leverage that for spiritual growth. Um and I think that I think that that's counterintuitive for a lot of people but um I think the holy
0: spirit works within the habits of our lives. Mm. Outside of those seven habits is there one that's been that you don't even talk about in the book that's been crucial for you, your wife, your family. It may seem small, insignificant, but one that has been a game changer for you. Yeah, outside these seven habits, I think
1: um the seventh habit is like a is like a tee up for that. And and the seventh habit is is this idea of starting an intentional discipleship circle where you're you're living in this cadence of commitment within community with three or four other people um, and really challenging them as they challenge you. And how do I live that way? So it's a small group, but it's a very intentional small group. Um, but I think for me that the next layer of that that's been so big for me is um is community, you know, uh, I, I live in a a really tight-knit band of brothers and sisters that are doing life together, and that are deeply committed to one another, and to the gospel, and that has been totally life-changing for me, you know, uh, it's not a new thing, we've been, Chrissy and I, you know, we were looking at it the other day, We have an adopted daughter. She's two and a half years old. She's been with us since she was three days old. But if you count her, we've been married 17 years and we've had someone who doesn't biologically uh, belong to our family living in our home for probably 15 of those 17 years. And so our house has been this sort of melting pot of community for years and years now. And that lifestyle of hospitality and openness and doing life together uh, has just been Huge in a crazy, weird season of life um, to keep our soul grounded, healthy, and happy. You know, um, and having fun. You know, um, I had this experience. One of my best friends, Cheech, he's one of the pastors at our church. You know, all craziness was breaking loose in COVID. People were leaving the church. People were upset about this, upset about that. And he walked in my office and he goes, "Hey, uh, this family just left." And I was like, "Bummer." And he's like, "And this family's ticked at us." I was like, "Oh man, that's awful." And he's like, "And I just got this email." And then he laughed. He put his feet up on my desk and he said, "Well, at least we have each other." And it was just like, it was like, man, you don't know how much that actually means, you know, um, because you're right. And uh,
0: so, yeah, I think that's been a game changer for me. There's a lot of people stuck right now. A lot of people overwhelmed right now. What do you think is at the root of that?
1: Yeah. um, Identity. I think that at the root of that is identity. You know, we're swimming in an ocean you know, called the Western way of thinking about life that says, I am what I do, um, that my value is rooted in how I perform or what I've accomplished. And so when that's stripped away and I'm stuck inside for a year and a half and my business fails and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know who I am anymore. And so, uh, I think that, you know, um, I think that we have an identity crisis in our nation and especially in churches. And I think that um, it needs to be redirected. This is the gift that uh, is so uh, needed in our time that Jesus can only provide. and it's that you you are not what you do, but that you are loved simply because you are loved. and that um, that the kindness and love of God, has chosen you to be his son, to be his daughter. And, you know, obviously we've heard it before maybe, but, you know, Jesus hears the voice of the father that says, you're my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. And it's before he ever performed a single miracle. It's before he was ever known, ever preached a sermon, ever did anything significant in the eyes of the world. He was already pleasing. And so, um, yeah, living from our belovedness, I think, I think it was Brendan Manning that called it the axis of the Christian faith living from our belovedness and i think that is the root behind all the all the uh you know mouse uh little wheel running that we're doing uh day in day out and so when i'm loved i don't need to prove myself you know when i'm accepted i don't need to make something grow i can just rest in the timing of god and trust in his providence and be faithful
0: in the moment that i'm living in we're having a lot of conversations uh, right now in this moment, fall 2021, about uh, things that we need to look back to and maybe we've forgotten about for a season, yeah. and then some some new things we need to look ahead to. And so we're asking podcast guests uh, this fall Good. to look back and see some things that you've forgotten about yeah. that you need to return to. Um, mm. It's been a little bit of a distracting season, I would say, in our world. Uh, and then some new things that we actually need to reshape or reinvent. So that first question for you, Justin, yep. what are a couple of things, uh, maybe one in particular that you have just kind of forgotten about for a season, but you yep. really need to re- return to?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, and I was just talking about this with a group of guys that I'm really tight with. Uh, I think, you know, I need to uh, return to the the mess of uh, Deeply entrenching my life with others um, beyond, like my my immediate circle. You know, I think that COVID did create all these borders and isolation and everything else, and so just like more thoroughly reengaging in the mess of life uh, and doing it joyfully um, has been something that. Chrissy and I, my wife have been talking about, and we're starting a new community group at our house. And, you know, some of the, just some of just some of the things that have kind of gotten on the bench over the last year and a half. They're like, let's not wander from that. Let's not, let's not lose the messiness of life together. Um, so
0: yeah, that's one that is, is, is pretty intentional right now for us to reengage in. Uh, what sure. are you, what are you reinventing or what needs reinventing in your life or leadership right now? Oh gosh, yeah. So we we felt like organizationally, we felt
1: like uh this was a real real opportunity for system reinvention at COVID with COVID. So we've been in expansion mode for 10 years and you know everything's up and to the right for 10 years. It's been great. We grow by 30% plus financially and organizationally every year. It's been this rocket ship, which thank you, Jesus, we're grateful for that. We're reaching people on and on. Organizationally, our systems have been behind. And so we've spent Um, the last 20 months, really uh, completely restructuring, reorging, rethinking, um, creating, you know, prototypes for every department and every section of every department within our organization. And so for us, it's actually really exciting. You know, this next year is implementation of all these new systems and then um, not just implementation, but accountability for consistent implementation. And so, Uh, That may not sound exciting to people who are not into organizational leadership, but for me, I love it. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think it's going to be I think the systems we created over the last 20 months are really um, about, you know, high performance and uh, longevity and health. And so um, helping those systems get implemented and then continually followed
0: is the next year for us. Beautiful. Wow. Hey, that geeks me out, man. I get excited. Yeah. I, the I love fruit it. on the no. other side of that. And it's a needed pause, right, in our world. Yes. And um, we can't continue to grow at that pace and think longevity. So I hope that's just a beautiful season with some fruit that maybe even looks different on the tree than it did in the past. Yeah. Just to end with this, Justin, people listening need a lifeline. People listening need yeah. a reminder people listening need to be encouraged, a lot of disappointment, discouragement, frustration. Um, Encourage listeners with a word. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. The one that's burning on my heart, uh, you know,
1: Moses spent 40 years in the backside of a desert before he was a deliverer and he saw the burning bush, you know, Um, uh, Joseph learned to be a prime minister in a prison cell. Um, Jesus uh, became the savior of the world only after 30 years of obscurity in a um, carpenter shop in Nazareth. Um, You are more than what you see. Um, Right now, God has you in a season of incubation where he is preparing the character you need for the calling you have. Um, But it's prepared in unexpected ways. We remember Mr. Miyagi, who taught Daniel LaRusso to wax on and wax off and paint the fence. And do a bunch of stuff that he thought was irrelevant to his passion for karate, not realizing that every movement he was learning was actually in preparation for his passion. And I think that some of us are in dead end jobs. Some of us are in difficult marriages. Some of us are, you know, um, struggling with our dreams being collapsing, you know, collapsing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what we don't realize is that all of the chaos is actually an invitation to grow what our hearts will need for the next season. And so just don't miss the moment. This is your moment to learn these lessons, go deep and become the person God's called you to be. So, you know, God gave Moses a um, a couple of sheep on the backside of the desert before he gave him a nation of two million people to lead out into the promised land. And so if he hadn't been faithful with the sheep, he would have never Uh, seen the burning bush and been able to lead a nation. And so it's a time of preparation and God prepares us in unexpected ways. And that's actually, I think, really comforting. I know for me, and I've seen it play out in my life again and again. Mm, It's a crucial word for this season.
0: Thanks for that. Thanks for our conversation and a huge congrats. 20 years in the making, bury your ordinary practical habits for a heart fully alive. Justin, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. So, so.